And as we come to chapter 11 tonight, we get a new judge, uh, Jephthah, and we studied him in detail on Tuesday night. So I'll give you a little bit of background, but we really want to focus on a portion of the scripture that we're in on Tuesday night. But Jephthah was the son of a prostitute. His mom was a harlot, and that's difficult. But his dad was someone important. And his dad had quite a bit of wealth, and he had some brothers. And when they all sort of came of age, they said, hey, look, this is our inheritance. This isn't your inheritance. And they drove him out. They drove him out of the household, and they said, there's nothing here for you. So, like, here's the estate, and you don't get any of it because you have your mom is not our mom. She's a prostitute, and there's nothing for you here. So they drove him out, and then it says that he gathered worthless men to himself which isn't necessarily bad because one could say Jesus gathered worthless men to himself. And we're told that David gathered worthless men to himself. It's really what happens with worthless men, uh, who their leader is, as to what kind of men they truly become. With David, they became mighty men. With Jesus, they became the apostles. And, uh, but with some, worthless men become even more worthless. But in this case, Jephthah put together a pretty good military force. They became raiders, and they... They plundered various people and took things from them, but they're efficient at it. And of course, the people of God at that time, the Israelites, they were being oppressed by the Midianites and the Moabites from the other side of the Jordan River from the east, modern Jordan. So we don't know exactly who they were raiding, who they weren't raiding. It was just difficult times, like the Wild West, and they just did what people do in the Wild West. They, they raided and they, they did their things. So then the, the Moabites, they come into Israel and they say, hey, you know, they want to make war. And they said, you took what's ours and you need to give it back. And so then these same men that expelled Jephthah from their house and from their region, they asked him to come back and say, hey, look, we want you to be a ruler over us. And if you defeat the, the Midianite, the Moabites and these people, we will... Um, We'll make you our ruler. You'll be like our king or something. He's like, really? So they come together and they, at this rock, and they make this deal. And there, at, before the Lord at Mizpah, and Jephthah, actually verse 11 says in chapter 11, that Jephthah spoke all his words before the Lord. So Jephthah made an agreement with these people, these Israelites, that he would lead them in battle against the Moabites, but he would be their ruler after that, and he made it official before the Lord. It's kind of like, hey, you do this, we'll do that. And he's like, well, you've already expelled me from the estate and the trust, so let's just drop a little contract here with the Lord so there's no misunderstanding when we have the victory. That's how we're going to do this. And they're like, yeah, sure, okay, we'll do that. So that's the beginning of our story that sets us up to what happens in our text tonight. Also noteworthy, though, since we won't read all the texts, after we read our text tonight, the, the story goes on where he did fight against the Moabites and had a great victory and he brought about deliverance for God's people. He did not live a long time. He only lived about six years after his military victory, but his life is significant in that it takes an entire chapter of the Bible, and it's here for us, and there's keen insight on it. So came his mom was a prostitute, and his half-brothers expelled him, but then they needed his help, because sometimes you need a raider to get things done, and they brought him back. And he then brought a victory about, and then lived not that long afterwards. But in between that, we have this dialogue, this story that we're going to look at tonight, where he goes back and forth with the Moabites, and he tries to reason with them before they go to war. So we don't actually read about his war and his battle. We're reading about sort of the negotiations to avoid war. 
you know, before World War II began for America, before we came into the war, we were negotiating with the Japanese government to avoid some disputes. And if you know very much about December 7th, 1941, that stuff, it, it just didn't, it didn't work out. Many times before two parties go to war, you try and resolve it. After war, you try and settle it, like, you know, the unresolved war in Korea, the 38th parallel, the DMZ. The war was never done. It's still not done. That's why it's such a volatile place in the world. But you can try and avoid war. Even Jesus said, before you go to court, try and reconcile with your brother, lest the judge throw you in jail and you lose everything. So the general idea is, like, if you can avoid a conflict and have resolution, do it. That's why you have arbitrators. You know, when you go to the courthouse there in Santa Ana, you see like, hey, you got this small claims thing, this thing. If you want to go for an arbitrator, an arbitration, you can do that. Usually it saves money. An arbitrator is usually a former judge. You bring your case. They bring their case. You're the homeowner. You're going against the HOA. And these two people come together. And an arbitrator rules. And you try and avoid war. You try and avoid going to court. Because you go to court all the way. Lawyers make a lot of money. You usually lose a lot of money. And then you just magnify that in the human experience. And you have wars. That's what happens. So in this context that we're going to read right now, they're trying to avoid... Jephthah's trying to avoid war. But this war is unavoidable. Because some battles must be fought. That's why Paul said, I fought the good fight. Some things are worth fighting for, and some battles you have to fight. And that's our, our lesson tonight. So we pick it up in verse 12 where he's now their leader, and Jephthah sends messengers to the king of Ammon, of the Ammonites, the Moabites on the other side, and he says, what do you have against me that you have come to fight against me in my land? Fairly simple document. What do you have against me that you have come to fight against me in my land? And the king of the people of Ammon answered the message of Jephthah, because Israel took away my land, and when they came up out of Egypt from the Arnon as far as the Jabbok and to the Jordan, now therefore restore these lands peaceably. Hmm. That's a different perspective on history. Verse 14, so Jephthah again sent messengers to the king of the people of Ammon and said to him, thus says Jephthah, Israel did not take away the land of Moab, nor of the land of Ammon. For when Israel came up from Egypt, they walked through the wilderness as far as the Red Sea and came to Kadesh. Then Israel sent messengers to the king of Edom, saying, Please let me pass through your land. But the king of Edom would not heed, and in like manner they sent to the king of Moab, but he would not consent. So Israel remained in Kadesh. Then they went along through the wilderness and bypassed the land of Edom and the land of Moab and came to the east side of the land of Moab and encamped on the other side of the Arnon, that's a river. But they did not enter the border of Moab, for the Arnon was the border of Moab. Then Israel sent messengers to Sihon, king of Amorites, king of Heshbon. And Israel said to him, please let us pass through your land into our place. But Sihon did not trust Israel to pass through his territory, so Sihon gathered all of his people together and camped in Jahaz and fought against Israel. And the Lord God of Israel delivered Sihon and all of his people into the hand of Israel, and they defeated them. Thus Israel gained possession of all the land of the Amorites who inhabited that country. They took possession of all the territory of the Amorites from the Arnon to Jabbok, from the wilderness to the Jordan. And now the Lord God of Israel has dispossessed the Amorites from before his people Israel, should you then possess it? 
Will you not possess whatever Chamosh your God gives you to possess? So whatever the Lord our God takes possession of before us, we will possess. And now are you any better than Balak, the son of Zippor, king of Moab? Did he ever strive against Israel? Did he ever fight against them? While Israel dwelt in Heshbon and its villages, and Arar and its villages, and all the cities around the banks of the Arnon for 300 years, why did you not recover them within that time? Therefore, I've not sinned against you, but you've wronged me by fighting against me. May the Lord, the judge, render judgment this day between the children of Israel and the people of Ammon. However, the king of the people of Ammon did not heed the words which Jephna sent him. So these are these people on the east side of the Jordan River where the two and a half tribes are, the Ammonites, the Moabites, they all blend together. The Midianites are all from people of the east, but here it's Ammon. And so this is very interesting. Historically, it's interesting, but in our current state of affairs on the planet Earth, in our own country, it is very interesting to me. If you just read this in your morning devotion and wrote stuff down in your journal, you might write things like, those who lie, those who bully, those who rewrite history, those who take, those who stand and fight against those who take. Those might be things that jump out to you in this text. And there's nothing new under the sun. There's givers and takers. Givers give and keep on giving because they're always willing to keep on forgiving. Takers take, it's never enough, even when they've taken almost all your stuff. Givers are content with the least, and they give the most. Takers are discontent with the most, and they'll take the least when that's to complete their most. In reading 2 Corinthians this morning, I was reminded how the Macedonian church gave out the abundance of their poverty to the people in Jerusalem, to the church in Jerusalem. That with great joy out of their poverty they gave. And I just reminded yet again that givers give and keep on giving, but takers, it's never enough. Chamosh is an interesting God. You know, when you study these Canaanite gods, they're, 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 all, they're all ideologies. Unbridled lust, power, wealth, war, blood. Chamosh is just another one of those gods. When you study the ancient gods of that part of the world, they often merge, and different cultures that were close to each other gave different names to a similar ideology, different concept. Just like when you study Marxism, socialism, and communism, they're very similar ideologies. They're all devoid of God and accountability to God. And they all dumb down their societies and degenerate the idea of personal freedom and personal hard work and responsibility and benefit. But you can split hairs over those ideologies. That's how these gods were. Chamosh, of all gods, is the bully god. He bullies. He's a bully. He's a taker. In fact, his name can be translated destroyer, or are you ready for this one? Subduer. Subduer. We might as well just call him the god of mandates, the god of power and control and subjection. Bully god. Chamish is the bully god. Sure, we can get along. You just give me everything I want. You just give me everything you have. You give me everything God gave you, and you give it to me, and we can get along. 
I'm Chamish, the bully god, and I've come to take from you. Oh, I've been the CCP, the Communist Chinese Communist Party. I've been the Soviet Union. I was with Karl Marx. I was with Charles Darwin. I'm the bully god. I take whatever I want from whoever I want, however I want, so long as I can. And I will try and bully you and counsel you and threaten you and intimidate you to play my game on my rules. I'm Chamosh, the bully god, the god of man-based mandates that oppose personal freedoms that God ordains. That's me, Chamosh, the bully god of the Moabites. So don't think the book of Judges is inapplicable to the body of Christ in 2021. It most certainly is. There are people of faith under a covenant. Now, their covenant's very different than ours. They fought spiritual battles. It's a spiritual battle. We'll get to that. But it's a physical thing, too. And the church never has the same physical thing. So it's always kind of different. Not kind of. It's absolutely different with the church. We always fight our battles with spiritual weapons, with prayer and the word of God. We're, we're called to love our enemies. We're called to stand, and we're called to resist evil. And in each generation, in the various circumstances we face, and in each culture, and each language, that might look like different things. I don't know what it's like to stand for Jesus in North Korea against Chamash and the North Korean government and what they do to Christians. Nor the Hong Vietnamese people and what the Vietnamese government does against Christians of a poorer class in modern Vietnam. I do know what it's like to be a Christian in Russia in the former Soviet Union and have FESBA show up at your pastor's conference and monitor what you're doing, FESBA being FSB, that's the KGB, FESBA. And I know what it's like for Christians in Russia when they are always afraid to say anything or do anything or post anything or share photos and tell me I can't, thus you've never seen one photo ever from my trip to Russia, other than the videos I showed right when we came back, but nothing on social media ever. Because I always presume I'd go back and I don't want to create trouble with FESBA when I apply for my visa and when I come through immigration and customs. But I'm in touch with the church in Russia all the time and we support them all the time. And I know what that's like for them. Chamosh, the bully god, is the remnant of the Soviet Union. So when you used to work for the KGB and then you become a pastor, they bully you and they come after you, and they try and cancel you. I spent three hours in the car with a pastor two years ago in Russia, driving from Moscow to Vladimir, hearing his story of formerly being with the KGB, and walking away from that to serve the Lord in ministry and be a Calvary Chapel pastor, and all the bullying that Chamosh, the bully god of Russia, brought upon him from his former government co-workers and what they did to him. So the ideology of Chamosh the Ammonite God prevails across planet Earth right now, all over the planet, with governments that oppress the church, with governments that oppress the freedoms that God gives humanity, with dumbed-down lower levels of Chamosh and little people who are little psychopaths, sociopaths, and narcissistic people who just do what Stalin does on a higher level, on a lower level. See, that's how it works. Stalin doesn't kill 80 million innocent people in his reign of terror with the Soviet Union by himself, he replicates himself in people who have the same ideologies. It's what Hitler did. It's what Mao Zedong did when he killed millions of his own Chinese people 
in China. There's nothing new under the sun. Chamosh is the bully god. He intimidates, he threatens, and he promises peace so long as you abide by his rules or mandates. Bully god. Subduer and destroyer. Because when you submit to Chamosh, he will destroy you. That's why they had to fight against him no matter what. This is the fight, the good fight. And in preparing for this study, I meditate upon how this would apply to us personally, how it might apply to your family in our life experience, because people get bullied not because they're Christians, they get bullied because they get bullied by people. Populations get bullied by government not because they're Christians, but because their government wants to oppress them and destroy them and take from them. But yet, in church history for 2,000 years, Chamosh, the bully god, has definitely bullied the church from start to finish. Caesar is Chamosh. Just bow the knee to Caesar. Renounce what God's given to you, your faith in Jesus, your victory over sin, your victory over the devil, and the authority given to you to preach the gospel. Just renounce all that and hail Caesar, and you're fine. We won't burn you at the stake in the Colosseum and feed you to the lions. You can have peace with Caesar. Just put him before Christ and your conscience. What do you think Luther was standing up to in the 1500s when he put the 95 Thesis on the church door in Wittenberg? He was standing up to Chamosh, the bully god. Just play the Catholic church game in the medieval time. Just play this religious game we play. Do the indulgence, do the stuff for the saints, plunder the people, fleece the flock, just play this game. And he said, no. Sola scripture, only scripture, only faith, and only praise. The three things that he was willing to die for when he put that thesis on the door of his church in Wittenberg. And he fled for his life. But there's a good fight. Corey Tim Boom and her family in the Netherlands, when the Nazis came in and started grabbing all the Jews and shipping away in trains to, to kill them in death camps, six million of them. Those people like Hoi Tim Boom risked their life and stood up to Chamosh, the bully god, the destroyer of everything good. Chamosh is not only the bully god, he's the one that commits crimes against humanity because he oppresses humanity and the rights that God gives humanity. Self-determination. So here we are in November 2021, the Church of Jesus Christ on planet Earth, going from strange to stranger and weird to weirder, where people who say, believe, trust the science are the same people who say that men get pregnant. That's what you get when Chemosh is your God. You become delusional. And we want to get along with people. It says in Romans, as much as up to you, live peacefully with all men. I want to get along with my neighbor, and so do you. I want to get along with Caesar, and so do you. I want to pray for Caesar. I want to have dinner with Caesar and not have him try and burn me at the stake. But Paul said at the end of his life, I fought the good fight. And a lot of people are having to pick right now on planet Earth what they're willing to fight for and what they're willing to stand for. And it's an excruciating and difficult time for all of humanity, as evil men are empowered under difficult circumstances to oppress and subjugate people, to take advantage of them. 
And in the midst of this, here's the church in 2021 on planet Earth. Trying to be faithful to the Great Commission. Trying to be faithful to the Word of God. We're like Israel needing the help of Jephthah. Protection from the bully God. We're like Israel needing people who will stand in the gap and stand up for truth and stand up for what's right and be willing to risk their name, their livelihood, and their possessions for what's right, true, just, noble, and holy. Chamash is never satisfied, nor the people who serve him. The destroyer and the bully God wants everything. Everything by his terms and his rule. Because Chamash is Satan. Because we're told in the New Testament that whatever's behind an idol is a demonic entity. And Satan is the destroyer. That's his name. Satan is the accuser of the brethren. That's his business. And Satan is a liar. And he's the father of lies. And he's always come against the church. And how he has come against the church the last two years in our new world order is somewhat just mind-bending. For as delusional as people are on a mass scale on this planet right now, Satan is actually setting up for a greater evil. And we know that. And the church that goes through the narrow gate and walks according to the truth and follows the King of kings and the Lord of lords, Jesus Christ. We are citizens of heaven. We are ambassadors of Christ. And we are stewards of the mysteries of God, the kingdom, the word. We are the ground and pillar of truth, and Christ is the one who walks in our midst. So in the midst of a world being bullied by the bully God, Chamus, we are here tonight to worship and praise Jesus, to give him thanks, and to aspire to live a quiet, peaceful life, and honorably serve the Lord, and pray for those above us, and pay our taxes on time, and do what's just, true, and honorable, and praiseworthy. That is what we aspire to do. And yet, Chamash comes to destroy and to bully. Particularly, and yes, especially, the church. Now, in verse 12, Jephthah said, he tried to reason with these people. Maybe you've tried to reason with the people you work for and employ you. Maybe you tried to reason with your relatives last few days at family gatherings. Just remember heaven is a narrow gate and few enter thereby. Just remember that wide and broad is a path that leads to destruction and many go thereby. And just remember that wide path destruction, wide path of destruction lies under the sway of the wicked one. Just remember that until we come to Christ, we're taken captive by the devil to do his will. So what I'm having to understand at 60 is I shouldn't expect people who are demonically deceived and delusional to be understanding of spiritual things, even when it applies to common sense. Because the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. And you think, why, why, how can people actually think these things that they think? And you can't reason with them. And you have to remember, it's a wide path that leads to destruction, and many go thereby. So we really need to be amazed by, not that people are deceived and led astray by faulty science and the, the God chameth and those who serve him, but what really we should be amazed by is that we're saved and we have discernment. We should be thankful and grateful to the Lord that he's revealed himself to us. 
that we're not limited to the natural man and the natural mind or the carnal mind, but he's actually given us a spiritual mind. That we've passed from death to life when we've given our life to Christ. That we're a new creation and we can discern our right hand from our left hand. Because what did God say to Jonah? Should I not have pity on a city where people can't discern their right hand from their left hand? That's the people under judgment. And that's the world around us. But when we come to Christ, he has given us the mind of Christ. And he has made all things known to us. The prayers of Colossians and Ephesians that we might know the treasures and riches we have in Christ. And we can know the knowledge of the good things and the mysteries and given to us. We should never be caught off guard by what people are willing to believe as a truth when it's obviously a lie. And the sheer insanity of everything in our culture and our world right now, it vexes our spirit and it, it grieves us. And it grieves us because it grieves the Holy Spirit. I can assure you that when people of science say that men get pregnant, it grieves the Holy Spirit. When people of science say there's multiple genders, it grieves the Holy Spirit. When people who have nothing to do with things of the past are blamed for things of the present, it grieves the Holy Spirit because that's injustice. So it grieves you and me if we're followers of Christ when evil men are unable to do destructive things to innocent people, it grieves the Holy Spirit. So of course it's going to grieve you. Of course it's going to grieve you. It's been a grievous time. Let's be transparent. I don't pick the text. I just read the text and teach the text. This is a grievous time. And Jephthah is just saying like, hey, I don't want any problems. I'm my own business. I'm trying to abide by what you're saying. But why are you coming against me? Why are you coming against my land? Why are you coming against my business? You know, we've had hundreds of thousands of small businesses forced into closure in the last two years in this country. Why are you coming against me? I show up to work on time. I do my job. I do it faithfully. I came early. Everything you asked me to do, did I not do it? Did I not make you money? Why are you forcing this on me? Why are you doing this to me? 18 months ago, you told me it's this for three weeks. Now you're telling me this or I lose my job and my livelihood? Chamish is never satisfied. Chamish will always come up with another excuse to put you in fear and bully you into the next subjection that he has for you. Because that's what the CCP does. That's what the Soviet Union did. That's what the Nazis did. Take a little, take a little, take a little more, take a little more, take a little more, and there's nothing left to take. What do you have against me? I'm a hard worker. I'm a company man. I bought stock of the company. What do you have against me? I went to college for years to show up at work and do a really good job to take care of people. What do you have against me? Do you think I can't make good decisions on my own based upon my intellect and my training and my education? What do you have against me? Why are you doing this to me? What do you have against me? What do you have against my livelihood? What do you have against me working hard and providing for my family? And making choices that God's given to me for self-determination from the dawn of creation in Genesis 2. What do you have against me? Why are you doing this to me? 
Why are you doing this to me? Why are you forcing me to respond this way? Why are you making me do this? Some things are worth fighting for. Some things you walk away from, some things are worth fighting for, and let God be true. You know, one man has seen one day, another, another. Let's each be convinced in our own mind. Our salvation is worth fighting for. Our ability to provide livelihood for our family with the job God's given us is worth fighting for. Our marriage is worth fighting for. Our children's salvation and their consecration is worth fighting for. Our witness at work is worth fighting for. Why are you making me look bad when I've been your best employee for the last 10 years? Why are you doing this to us? But in the end, think about this, in this whole initiation of this issue, the people of God were attacked. They were under attack. And those who attack justify themselves. And they justify themselves against the truth and those that are blessed of God, the people of covenant. Look how the church has been attacked for the last 18 months by people in power. And they justify it, they justify it, they justify it, and they justify it. And praise God, we talked about this Tuesday night. It's not my place to go. I'm not, I don't feel, I've never felt led to go take someone on with a lawsuit or do something else like this, like I'm going to sue these people over this, this government agency or this federal government, this state government, these people. I've never felt led that way. That's just, but I respect that those who, who do feel that way. And I'm glad they're fighting those fights. I'm glad there's really good lawyers that love Jesus and fear him and are not as afraid to give an account for him and stand up for truth in the court of law to defend freedoms that are already established by the laws of this land. Aren't you grateful for that? Aren't you grateful there's people who stand up to our government and say, no, that's not the way it works under our current laws. You can't just make up the laws. Aren't you glad there's people that do that? And yet the damage has been so severe and so far-reaching on our society and on the human race globally. These people that attack, and they've attacked the church. They've attacked a lot of people. They've attacked wealth. They're attacking a lot of things. They're using all these things for excuses to take more. Blame the supply chain. Blame the truck drivers. Blame this, blame that, blame Trump, blame everybody, blame the previous administration, blame the one before them, whatever. Blame, 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 blame. They rewrite history. Oh, because Israel took away my land. They came up to Egypt and they did this. They took it. You need to restore it peacefully. Wait a second. That's not the way history really went. You know, the first thing the communists do whenever they come to power is eliminate all history, tear down statues and legacies of the culture of a people. It's the first thing they do. That's what the CCP did in China. Then you rewrite the history. You kill millions of people who actually remember history. And you get the next generation. You indoctrinate them in history the way you see it. And you tell them men get pregnant. And they believe it. But Jesus is bigger than all this. But look what Jephthah had to deal with. This is the people of God, the people of covenant. And they can have peace at what expense, though? At their existence. Give us our land. You mean give you what God gave us? 
So you're promising us peace, people who serve Chamath. You're promising us peace if we give you what God gave us. How's that going to work? Well, this is the way God, this is the way it really was. So you're rewriting history, and now you're telling us to give up everything God's given us to you, and we can have peace. That's not the peace that God talks about. As much as us as possible to us, live peace with all men. But you need to reconcile that with Paul saying, I fought the good fight. When Paul was humiliated and publicly beaten in Philippi by the local magistrates, did he go away peacefully? No. He said, I'm a Roman citizen with Roman rights, and you beat me publicly without a proper court, a proper trial, and a proper accusation. You publicly apologized to me for what you did. Paul stood on the rights that he had as a Roman citizen to hold those local magistrates accountable for breaking the law and using that to come against the church. And Paul made sure by standing up for those rights that the church after he left would be able to function with its existence and purpose secure lest they bow down and serve Chamath and be bullied by Chamath after he left town. Who is sufficient for these things, Paul would say? How do you try to live peace with all men and then fight the good fight? When do you know when to leave a city and shake the dust off your feet and then send it to the magistrates and say, no way. We need the mind of Christ in each of our lives to know how to handle Chamath, the bully God, coming to take what God has given us. Individually, in our family, in our local churches, in the body of Christ worldwide. We need the mind of Christ. Now, we're attacked. We shouldn't be surprised. Haman attacked Mordecai in the book of Esther. It was personal. It had nothing to do with power. It's just Haman had everyone bow down to him except Mordecai. He's a power-hungry sociopath, and he's not happy to be number two in the most powerful kingdom in the world. How can he enjoy being in this chariot of glory and all this stuff, if Mordecai the Jew doesn't bow to him. See, that's how, that's how the chain of people are. All but one person bows down to you, but you got to make that person bow down to you. See, people want power. That's how they are. It's never enough. One Jew not bowing is enough to cost you a good night's sleep when you serve Chamath, the bully god. It's never enough. But alas, the noose that Haman built for Mordecai is the very one that he himself hung on. For as a man sows, so shall he reap. You, sure, you serve Chamath, the bully God, you'll see how that works out for you. See how it's already worked out for some of these people? The thing about people who serve Chamath, they devour one another. They're cannibalistic. The cancel culture cancels one another, not just opposing views. Because they can't stop. You bully these people, and then you get bullied by those people. Because the Lord catches the wise in their own craftiness. Like we saw with the Midianites in the previous chapter where they turned against each other. The bully guy comes for property. Remember when Ahab wanted Naboth's vineyard? Give any, that's Naboth's vineyard. That was his inheritance from God. 
through his family, according to the vision that we saw in the book of Joshua. Ahab says, I want that property. And then Naboth says, I'm not going to sell it to you. It's my family property. It's our ocean view property. It's my vineyard. God gave it to me. Jezebel says, Who are, why are you crying, O king? You're the king. Go take it from him. Get, get worthless men to lie against him, falsely accuse him, kill him, and then take his vineyard. That's exactly what he did, isn't it? Did not Naboth die an innocent death? Because Ahab, serving the bully god Chamath, took it from him, the property, and took it from him. But alas, what was his ending? Not to mention Jezebel, ripped to pieces by the dogs. No one gets away with anything. Jesus said, in the world, the world will hate us because we're not of the world. Now, people bully people just to bully them apart from Christ. But the uniqueness thing about the, the uniqueness of the church is that we get bullied because we're the church. There are government people in our country that obviously have attacked the church with a specific vendetta and agenda. I don't trust them, and you shouldn't trust them either. The people that try and destroy the church, I don't trust them for anything. Because they're at war with God. Why would I trust someone at war with God? Like Jeff, there's a, Jeff said, when Balak fought the Lord, did he prosper? Who's ever prospered when they fight against the Lord? Why would I trust people who are at war against Christ and his church for any counsel on anything in the human experience? And why would you? Why would you trust someone who hates Jesus and is trying to destroy his church? Why would you trust them with your life? I've held my peace for 18 months. But this is the text tonight. This battle is very real and spiritual. So all of us are going through challenging things on the planet in the human experience. The church is going through challenging things on the planet because it's a church. And the church in America is going through specific challenging things in our country because we're the church. But I'd be very careful, and I know Pastor Chuck would have my back on this one from his day. I'd be very careful trusting evil men who make war against Jesus to make decisions for our personal lives. People who rewrite history and spin and manipulate to attack and take. I don't trust those people. I don't trust their science. I don't trust their decisions. I pray for them, and I got nothing against them. But when they come to take what God's given me, my faith, my salvation, my worship, my praise, the gospel, the teaching of the word, well, we don't surrender those things. We just don't surrender them. We don't surrender the high ground of holiness, truth, consecration, the gospel, and the word of God. I personally will never surrender any of those things as long as I'm alive. You can burn me at the stake and you can take everything I have for the gospel message and the whole counsel of God and the right to gather as a church and sing praise to Jesus. 
and to preach this gospel to the ends of the earth. I don't want the government and people to take, evil people to take all my other stuff. But they can, and history shows that they do. But they can never separate us from the love of God is in Christ Jesus. They can never take a higher ground than our ground to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and bow the knee to Jesus. They can never take the higher ground of truth and the absolute authority of the word of God over every aspect of the human experience. Chamath is a bully. He'll take anything you give him. But he starts with your lunch money, and then he comes for your lunchbox. And then he comes for your bike. And he grows up, and then he comes for your house. And ultimately, he comes for your personal freedom. Chamath is never satisfied. He's the destroyer. How can the bully God ever be satisfied? Because he destroys now, Jephthah knew who he believed in. He said, well, it's a spiritual battle. He said there um, in verse 24, will you not possess what Chamath your God gives you to possess? And so whatever the Lord gives us to possess, we're going we're to possess it. We need to make this and keep this a spiritual battle, as I was saying earlier. We, we can't, the church of Jesus Christ and you and me personally, although it's difficult, I pray for people that have lost their jobs. I pray for people who live in fear of losing their jobs. I pray for people who have been sick from COVID. And I pray for people I think have been sick from other elements as well. I'm just trying to get the body of Christ from here to eternity in Jesus' name as a faithful shepherd. But it's a spiritual battle. All this is a spiritual battle. As we're coming around the block to another lap in a new year, we have to remember that it's a spiritual battle. So we don't let Chamath pit believer against believer. We don't let Chamath take our joy. We don't let Chamath take our love for one another and the brethren. We don't let Chamath... Bring us to a place where we condemn other people and not respect their rights and their decisions. Because Chamath loves to destroy, and the best way to destroy the church is to divide it. We don't let Chamath divide the church. When I come to what I don't know, which is pretty much a lot of things going outside the doors of this church, I fall back on what I do know. Christ is on the throne. The gospel is the gospel. The word of God is the final authority. And the church is under the Great Commission. And the word of God is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path for all things pertaining to life and godliness in the entire human experience. That I know. And I know that we're in a spiritual battle. You know, Jephthah said, you know what? It's just, it's just classic how Jephthah, look, it's just so classic how he says, will you not possess whatever Chamath your God gives you to possess? Like, hey, you serve Chamath. What's he given you? He made it a spiritual battle. He said, whatever the Lord of God takes possession of before us, we will possess. See, you serve Chamash, you serve Darwin, you serve Marx, you, you serve the uh, human government as your God, then take what they give you. You want to trust in them? Go ahead. You want to serve Chamas? 
Bully God? Go ahead. We serve Jehovah. I am that I am, God of the burning bush. That's who we serve. And he gave this to us, and it's ours, and we're holding on to it. We serve Jehovah. I am that I am. That's who we serve. And he's given us forgiveness. He's given us abundant life, eternal life, the keys of the kingdom. Whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. He has given us the pillar and ground of truth for the every generation of humanity until the trumpet sounds. And no one's taken that from us. We serve Jehovah, God of the burning bush. I am that I am. And yes, we turn the other cheek. And yes, we forgive our enemies. And yes, we, 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 we forgive those who spitefully use us because we're the church. Ours is an everlasting kingdom. Ours is a narrow gate. Yours is a broad path that leads to destruction and many go thereby. We serve Jesus. We invite you to serve Jesus. In fact, when you take everything from us, you might actually be one to Jesus by how we respond to you doing what you do to us. But the church is the church. And a spiritual battle is a spiritual battle. And what Chamoth, the bully God, can never take is truth, promises of God, the kingdom on earth, justice, holiness, faith, and eternity. He can, he can never take that. He can only take what's temporal and is combustible before the throne. He can't take what's eternal. So we need to keep that perspective. We need to love, we need to forgive, and we need to stand. Jephthah stood here. He's standing. And his final thought he says, I have not sinned against you. And how many people have been plundered, maligned, falsely accused, and slandered in Jesus' name in this country in the last 18 months? Good people. But he said, I have not sinned against you, but you've wronged me. And that's what's happened to a lot of people in this country who serve Jesus. I've not sinned against you. I was your best employee. I was your best neighbor. I was your best customer. I've not sinned against you. But you've sinned against me. And you've wronged me by fighting against me. And a lot of what's going on in the name of government has wronged a lot of good people. And God knows it. And God will deal with it at his throne room. There's nothing crooked that won't be made straight. And every thought and intent of the heart will be made clear before the throne of God, before whom we must all give an account. There's no injustice that's happened in any time in human history, particularly in the last two years, that God won't make straight before his throne. And that's why I love Jephthah's final statement. He says, I've not sinned against you, but you've wronged me by fighting against me, and may the Lord the judge render judgment this day between the people of Covenant and the people of Chemish. Man. 
May the Lord, Jehovah, the judge, render judgment this day between his church and those who serve Jamesh. That's the New Testament application. That's the word of God. Living and powerful. November 2021. God is on the throne. We serve Jehovah. Jehovah's the judge and he'll render judgment. And we can close with this thought. None of these things move me. What Paul said nor do I count my life dear to me, that I can run the race that he set before me and fulfill my ministry. It's been very hard to watch and be aware of things, how they've affected good people adversely. But these ideologies are not new. These actions are not new. And the attack on the people of covenant is not new. So we just have to keep our eyes focused on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. We need to make sure that all that we are and all that we have belongs to him. So it's his battle. We need to let the battle be fought on holy ground and on things that are just, true, noble, and praiseworthy and not on unholy ground that we don't know and that we don't have the high ground on. Keep it spiritual. Keep it centered on Christ and let him fight our battles. Not just for you, not just for your family, and not just for all the boys that come against us, but for his glory and our faith proven.